everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Breaks. It's good to be with you once again. Uh, this episode, this week, we have not only our Hollywood insider, Keith Rao, which we all love and appreciate um, from his vision craft brew um, sitting area, <laughs> but also we have the world famous Dallas Taylor with us from his podcast. So I want to welcome you both today. Thanks for joining me here. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Tim. Dallas, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. I I think I've told you this like 20 times already, but maybe 20,000 times might be a better better way of saying it. But my, my family and I are such a fan of your 20,000 Hertz podcast. I just love it. The stories you get into, um, the backstories we get to hear, things I would have never thought about. So... Um, Welcome to the podcast. Well, that's the best when people listen to this with their families because it's very much designed that way uh, for kids and adults and grandmothers and everybody. My kids are love the What You Missed in History class podcast because it's often something we don't know. And I think your podcast does something very similar. It's things we forget to 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 remember to talk about. And, it's, and sound specifically, which is what you guys focus on are things that we're hearing all the time, but where you don't register, like, where did that come from? Or how would we know, you know, it, why we're even listening to that? Right. And just like you're talking about kind of a poster or talking about, um, <clears throat> you know, like a title sequence or something, it's really easy because we're just such visual creatures. And it's just, that's the way humanity is. Uh, we think about our, you know, sense of it, uh, our, our sense of sight uh, very deeply. Uh, but uh, the the same, uh, you know, and oftentimes the exact same amount of work or, or even more can go into something that takes two seconds to, or like two seconds to play and, uh, can also have that same level of impact. So it's a fun, fun topic to just kind of like unlock, uh, your sense of hearing, uh, consciously. People aren't familiar with your podcast yet, which I don't know why they wouldn't be. You have like a half a million listeners in a month. So there's plenty of people out there listening to it. But the coverage uh, that you have of like just an audio deep fake to the sound of the dragons in Game of Thrones um, to that siren that knocks people out when they're protesting, you know, like the range of, of topics you cover that are always related to sound. Um, I, yeah, it's just fascinating. Um, so we appreciate that. Yeah. Dallas, I'd be curious to like, what was the, I mean, I, I obviously just listened to a few episodes cause Tim was the one who kind of turned me on to you. And I was curious, like what was sort of the genesis of all of this? Cause it is very, a very interesting topic, not one you would necessarily settle on. Like Tim and I started this just sort of BSing on the phone one day and we're like, we should just record it. But I'm just curious what your, the sort of thought process was that sort of brought up the whole podcast for you. It was a chip on my shoulder because I work in this industry and that chip on my shoulder is that no one talks about sound. And I was like, I'm going to make them think about sound. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was. I mean, it was years of years of, of being uh, in, in the industry. And, um, and I just started looking at like our senses holistically, like you can tell stories and have, um, you know, nostalgia for all of our senses. Um, you know, if you eat and, you know, we curate eating, uh, we curate kind of our sense of taste, smell, we have, we have things that we love, you know, smell good. We have sewage to make sure that, you know, things go away. If it smells bad, candles, deodorants, all these things, sense of touch, we have, you know, soft clothes and, you know, couches and, and HVAC and all this stuff. But in, in like filmmaking, we have, you know, our sense of sight and our sense of hearing. And, um, over the, over the years, just like the, the more I became an expert in the field, the more just like 
aware I became of just the lack, and not always, but like the lack of of real thought and care um, in this medium where we have these two enormous senses. Whereas if you're looking at it like on scales, it seems like there's like, you know, 80 people per one sound person. And it kind of, even just like the attention kind of seems to go that way too. Um, And again, there's nothing wrong with like our sense of uh, sight. Like we are visual creatures as humans. And, um, but there is this very cool thing that no one needs permission to start playing around with sound or writing for sound or thinking about sound or crafting sound or using it to tell a story. And I really just wanted to tell really topical stories that got um, normal people more conscious about sound, but then also hopefully infiltrate this filmmaking advertising world a little bit just to say like, hey, this is re- really thoughtful and, and, and hopefully just inspire people who are not sound people to start using sound more, uh, more effectively. You know, we can hear that. I can hear that in the episodes. Um, I think one of the first ones I ever listened to was the THX episodes. Um, and again, like I, I think I knew the story. I've been in the, in the film industry long enough to appreciate what THX was doing and, and what a breakthrough it was to have some kind of, um, you know, standard at which to, to, for these um, films we play by. But again, like I don't didn't know all of the backstory. And I think if I have any curiosity, which is why I wanted to invite you onto our show, it's I'm almost jealous at the people that you've been able to talk to, kind of the film historians, the backstory and the behind the scenes people. And, you know, Hollywood Breaks were really like, it's the behind the scene part of it. We want the insider scoop to what's happening and, and, you know, how people get to where they are. So I think that you have this a, a same kind of curiosity of, of, well, I don't know who these people are, but I'm going to call them. I'm going to ask them, how's this work? And why did you come up with it? So, and also I, I'm now, the more I do this show, cause I'm about five years in 120 episodes. Now it's become a huge, now I've done it long enough where I see sounds that are very important disappear. And when sounds disappear, we don't even think about it. Like we just disappears and it's never talked about. So I'm very, um, uh, concerned. So yeah, THX, uh, how, how many, I don't know, 25 and unders really have like a real visceral experience with that. Like that is something that is not playing in, in the way that we consume media. So I have a, a real like passion for, for, for like capturing these stories before we lose, uh, these people who did it because a lot of these people are, are, are getting up there in age. And these stories are so important to the culture of sound, the culture of filmmaking, the culture of, 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 you know, Americana filmmaking, all these things. And so for me, like a lot of these things are just to capture them in a, in a, in something that's going to stay there forever to where maybe in, 20, 30, 40 years, it, it's still like something that people reference as, okay, this is the, this is the big one story uh, about the THX note or Star Wars or something like that. Yeah, it's so funny because the evolution has taken place, even in my own life, so much of like what an AirPod has done to my sound experience when consuming on my iPad or phone or whatever. Even my computer, I, I, I can get surround sound in a very different way than when I was sitting in a theater and it was all of that work and engineering and wiring and all that stuff that had to once be true in order to get a totally, you know, that kind of experience back then. How, how, uh, how fascinating. Okay. Well, this is actually a good segue because <clears throat> specifically the, 
what I've heard recently, and I thought, I got to grab Dallas. We got to talk about this, um, was one of your latest episodes. It was um, dealing with the fanfare, the 20th Century Fox fanfare, um, which uh, maybe people don't know what that means. But the fanfare is that musical piece that starts a 20th Century Fox episode. like the greatest walk away I had at the very beginning. And I was, I was deep into the episode just to learn about the Newman family and you know the yeah. genius behind it and the far reaching part of it, which is really, I'll say what the bulk of your episode kind of dealt with that. Uh, I, you know, awesome, awesome job. But give me a takeaway from what, you know, from that time that you got to spend doing that research on it. Yeah. So much about our episodes kind of, it's, it's a very surface level. Like we're not like a lot of other, like, super highly produced podcasts or documentaries where we're like, where we have to know the whole story before we green light it for this one. It was just like, we're, we're trying to like just capture the, these in majorly impactful sounds. And we all were just like the 20th century Fox fanfare must have a great story. So we just greenlit it. And we have 500 plus um, stories in our bucket that we can easily greenlight at any time. But it was just something that just like got me excited with the nostalgia and the filmmaking all that history. So I had none of us had any clue that this whole show was going to turn into some about something else. And so the fanfare and I, those are so many of our episodes where it's just like there's this surface thing, but then we learn so much depth of history and this family. And so what very quickly we realized that um, that this that this composer, classic Hollywood composer, which makes sense now, um, Alfred Newman, who wrote hundreds of of classic film scores, uh, just an absolute musical prodigy, um, of course, wrote this this theme. So why did he write this theme? Because we've had Fox kind of trade hands, and it was and it was like Fox Films at one point, and then there's 20th Century Pictures, and then there was this uh, this absorption together that that kind of happened a long time ago, but then. I think that if we're looking at it from a 40,000 foot view, what's amazing is there was all this consolidation that created the uh, 20th century, uh, that whole thing. There was a marketing plan that extended the logo, the the sound of this uh, thing that, because when we, we, it, it uh, ushered in widescreen. So they added the whole ending part of the fanfare to have a big widescreen thing. And then what we found all the way at the end of the episode is that it's consolidation again that might be what kills it completely. I have some history, not with the 20th Century Fox logo, but when working at Imaginary Forces, we had updated the Disney Pictures logo. We had created the DreamWorks logo. A lot of the production companies that you'd see, um, uh, David Brockheimer and um, uh, Simpson Brockheimer logo. So like there are there are things that we were doing in picture and then I would get to go to the soundstage and watch the mix. But I wasn't part of the composition until much later on where I could sit in the room and, you know, they it basically invited me in to, to watch the composition. And there really is a, a super talent. I mean, it is a lot of work. It is some very genius um effort behind any of these kind of sounds. And these music composers are amazing. Um, but specifically Alfred, Alfred Newman, you know, his legacy goes beyond just his, his own prodigy, but his family is kind of picking up the torch, 
Randy Newman is his, mm. one of his nephews. His his son David Newman, or his son son David. Newman, yeah, right? son David, who was on the show. Yeah. And then we have Thomas Newman, and then we had like I believe there's Maria. Um, there's somebody else. I think there's th- two or three other composers in the. F- it's it's um, unbelievable. So we had David Newman on the show. Um, kind of explaining this stuff. And, and really, that's where, where the show, like, very quickly, like, as soon as we started going, it went from, oh, it's about a family. This whole thing is about a family. Um, and so that's really what was fascinating. So, I mean, the Newman family themselves, I think that, like, we kind of, being in this world, we kind of know of Randy, we know of Thomas, you know, we know Toy Story, we know Finding Nemo, we know all this Pixar, we know, all, we, we could, if we hear these tracks, we would be like, oh my goodness, that's Newman, that's a Newman uh, but what's amazing is just like it, I mean, the entire sound of composition would be different without this family. It was just, uh, it's, it's probably the most influential composition family in history. I would assume that they would be. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's pretty fascinating having worked on the Fox lot for almost a decade and walked by that, uh, having been on the Alfred Newman soundstage for a score session and, and just hearing all that history about it. I, I didn't connect all the dots with all the Newmans and how they were all connected because Thomas Newman, I believe, did 1917, which I adored that soundtrack. It was beautiful. I actually bought it because I liked it so much. So it's sort of really interesting to see like all the historical stuff that's behind it. And I can really appreciate what you're talking about because you're right, because the fanfares are dying. I love fanfares. I think you know, Fox and the I love the Universal one. The Universal one's great too. And I but I've always had a thing for the Fox one because obviously the Star Wars connection. But Working at Fox, we always used to have fun with the fanfare. That was like the best part. Like we would, uh, for Predators, we turned it into Predator Vision. For Simpsons, we had um, the little whiny kid come out and do it. For the Peanuts, we had Linus played on the piano. So we always used to have fun with it. And just listening to him talk and then just realizing that it's kind of going away. It's kind of made my, my heart sink a little bit. It had its phase phases too. I mean, so like we kind of think of it as this thing that just lasted forever, but no, even in the seventies, uh, cause it, it, it was something that happened, uh, early on. It played for a lot of things. It was just, it kind of tr- went through this film compositions, uh, different styles for a long time. Seventies came along and you had all these hotshot directors that just stopped using it, using the sound because it just wasn't cool uh, then. And then, like many things in Hollywood, like Star Wars and John Williams changed everything. Like, we keep coming back to this theme of where Star Wars, in some respect, whether it be in the sound of Star Wars or the sound of uh, the the score, really transformed. I mean, like, we wouldn't have, like, these big, symphonic, blockbustery type of symphony sounds had had John Williams not done that in in Star Wars. And what's great, what's amazing about, like, this... this, that that theme was brought back like huge on Star Wars, the very first one. And John Williams even tied that in with the first note of of the score. So you got I mean, it's amazing. Like, and it, and it just like, so then you see from that moment that it now gets used like consistently, like continuously again. Um, and, and, you know, even up until modern, uh, times, but yeah, it just like, it, it, it had a huge presence. Uh, and then in the seventies, it kind of completely went away. Uh, then in the, then the eighties, it just came back with a vengeance with blockbuster movies, nineties, two thousands, kind of where we are now. And just now we're just occasionally hearing that. I don't think, you know, it, we kind of ended the show with like, will this ever happen again with the Disney consolidation and all that stuff? 
I don't think it's over. I just don't know what the next real big resurgence of it might um, might be. Yeah, well, I'd say like, you know, Keith has a very special attention to uh, the thing because when he drove onto the Fox lot, when the gates lifted, it'd play the fanfare. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so every morning, he had it. <laughs> I mean, I've listened to that thing ad nauseum and I, you know, I've been to mixes for it. I mean, and just my first trailer mix, just to talk about the appreciation of sound, watching the mixer work on that board was, was an eye-opening experience for me. Because, you know, I started in film development where you start with sort of like the story and, as you said, the visual medium. But then once I got into creative advertising, I didn't realize how important the sound and the mixing, like we would we would listen to every mix for a TV spot because you want to make sure that the audio was balancing. You want to make sure they heard the exact thing. But when I went to my first trailer mix, that was like jaw drop. Just watching the guy slide back and forth yeah. amongst this massive table, half a mile long table was, with all the sliders. Yeah, I was just, I was just like, I can't believe I'm watching it. But it's just, it's cool to sort of watch that all come together. So I, that's what I really like about the idea because it kind of gave, made me appreciate the idea of sound. But I would say that the one thing I do hope with the sort of the fanfares is it makes it feel theatrical. It makes it feel like a movie. And that is what the industry needs now more than ever, because if we don't, if we're if we're going to get people back into the theater, they got to make it feel like it's a movie, you know. And that was the sort of the piece. This is what was interesting to me, and I almost feel like Dallas, you stopped your podcast where I want to pick up because there's like this moment at the end where it's like, and by the way, you know, it's not happening anymore. And and uh, you had done a, a previous episode where you talked about the Netflix boom and all the stuff that was there. And, and I kind of want to make it clear of what we all mean by it's not happening anymore, because I think people are familiar yeah. with this fanfare. Like people would argue right now, like, no, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, of course. But yeah. they're not having the theatrical experience while watching it. They might be watching it on the distribution OTT platform through their tiny little sound system if, in, if they have something great. But there was a thing that was mixed for you to be sitting in a theater seat with a system that's playing it. And that theatrical experience was the beginning of this was the beginning of that kind of experience. It was the curtains opening, you know, it's it, it even has the lights. It's like it's this throwback to the golden age of Hollywood. And when you're when you're sitting there in a theater like you are contained, the phone is down, like you are fully, uh, you know, engrossed in this thing. Um, yeah, that's just not the same when when you're queuing it up on a on an on demand thing and you just hit it and you go because then it just becomes annoying. You know, like, it's just like, come on, let's, let's, let's get to the point here. Let's get to the credit. Start the movie. Yeah, let's, just, <laughs> let's just get going here. So that's why, like, you have Netflix and, uh, and a side note here, HBO, which we're covering the, the sound of the, um, the click on, which is what they call it. Uh, and this is what we, we've been calling it the static angel, but, um, they've even solved, uh, a lot of their problems with their fanfare that I'm curious to see if Disney does with this, this other thing. So we're in, in the middle of production on this whole HBO thing that covers the click on and then it covers the fanfare which is the that yes but what's brilliant about that is they solved that problem at HBO and that's that's going to be in a future reveal like later this year so you're not going to tell us that you're not going to give us the nice i'll tell you yeah no i'll tell so I, I no, I'll tell you exactly how they solved it. So they they recomposed it. They did these things. But what's amazing is if you listen to, um, you know, they still have the click on, 
uh, which was a big problem for them because they were like, does this generation even understand static? You know, why would we have this? But then they tried all these different things and it was like, this is this is HBO. This makes you feel like you're watching an HBO uh, thing. But that whole big giant fanfare shows up all over the place. It's just little, little, little tiny bursts. Um, like if you hear, you know, previously on, you know, on whatever, you, you have a little sound that goes with it. And if you deconstruct where that come from, it comes from, it comes from one chord or something from that fanfare um you know prior to uh, uh at the end with the recaps usually you'll have that like a little sound there um even with some of the promos and stuff so it's like they took this fanfare and made it in these a bunch of little teeny tiny bites that are that are memorable but again you don't you're not consciously thinking about it but it's but that fanfare those melodies are all over hbo brilliantly and uh, and masterfully, and I, I don't know if the Fox uh, fanfare will get there, considering Disney owns Fox now, and there's a branding problem here, because we can't have like, you know, Pixar kind of has its own intro and kind of sound with the with the jumping lamp. You have Disney, you have Disney, which is Disney. You have D- the Disney theme fanfare, which is for big stuff, but then you also have the Disney Plus. But then you also have a Fox fanfare, which is now part of Disney. So at some point, like, there's a branding problem to have a brand and a million sub-brands, you know, when you're trying to build a certain thing, I guess. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's interesting. But the, I think the problem here with Fox is it, is it is now, like, in the mix with Disney, which is just such a mega brand unto itself. And, and you know, even current Star Wars, they're not, they're not Fox films. They're Disney films. Well, what's interesting to me is, like, although the fanfare survived a transition in the past, the, the last time it wasn't being used because it wasn't cool, this is a very different problem. It's basically fading away to technology. Like, the relevance, just technological relevance of it doesn't exist anymore. So I almost feel like it will go away quicker. Because it just doesn't, there isn't a place to put it. There's no, there's no real estate for it anymore, which is a different problem than being cool or not, you know, kind of losing it. And I've now had, I've had conversations with the, with the head of the, the head of branding at Netflix, who actually was there with the brief of, of the Netflix Sonic logo. And now with the head of HBO branding two days ago. And what uh, both of them stressed so hard. And they said, they almost like a meet, like echoed each other. Is when they when they're when they were diving into this thing, things are too long. Like Leo the Lion from MGM does not work nowadays because it, everything has to be super short because they're trying to capture capture you quickly before you you go endlessly scrolling for another hour. So uh, so it's a real problem and it's a te- it's a technological it's a way we consume things. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily bad because I also like getting to the point, but uh, but it is you know it's a little bit of a nostalgia, a little bit of loss here. Like uh, I wish the next generations would be affected by this. Yeah, Keith, what do you think is like the loss of like the programming moment? Like we're not slowing down and turning on a film and grabbing the popcorn and consumers are just like eating eight movies a night. So they're they're bored um, and they and the distribution networks could slow people down or, you know, to your point, maybe even like get people's butts back into the seats at theaters and be really relevant and celebrate some of these theatrical? Well, yeah. I mean, I, ideally that's, I mean, as I've been saying since I'm blue in the face, that's what the, where the industry really needs to step up and come in and remind people about the sort of theatrical experience and the fanfares are part of that. And some filmmakers like to have fun with it. You, you know, Dallas makes a great point in the seventies filmmakers got sick of it because it wasn't cool. You know, Lucas brought it back and Spielberg and, there's still some modern day filmmakers who like to have fun with it. I mean, this isn't a modern film, but in Van Helsing, the movie I was a PA on, 
Stephen Summers had the logo of Universal explode into a ball of fire. And it became part of a torch. So it was part of the movie. So to Dallas's point of like, let's move it along, he made it part of the movie. So it wasn't like the logo comes out and you got to go through 50 different production logos, which is also a problem in of itself is everybody has their own logo now. So they all want to play after the big logo. But I also think the bigger problem is that because people are at home, that's the point is the convenience of being at home and you get, you get to control how quickly you get to the actual content. So that's why I think to Dallas's point and what Netflix and HBO are smartly saying is people don't want to sit through all that because they're home. <laughs> but uh, for award season, uh, a lot of these things have to play in a theater just due to, you know, whatever. So think about the flip problem. They, that Netflix had the problem, the opposite problem, because they were playing a lot of things in theaters and most people have no idea about this. Netflix has a fanfare written by Hans Zimmer that plays in theaters because the first times they started playing really? some of these things, right? Yeah. Uh, the first times they played some of these Netflix things in a theater, could you imagine that, you know, you sit down, everything goes down and you go, Dong! like it would just, they, they even acknowledge this. Like it, it would scare people because it was just not appropriate in that setting. So yeah, there's like a, uh, an, an awesome 20, 30, 30 second, beautiful Netflix fanfare that, I wish they could use more often, but again, I don't think I would want to listen to the whole thing every time I'm watching a Netflix <laughs> yeah. show. But yeah, second half of our Netflix episode, episode 100, is all about the the Hans Zimmer um, Netflix fanfare that no one that no one knows about. Yeah, I haven't seen a Netflix film in theater, and it's gorgeous. It's like such a beautiful piece of fanfare that just very few people have heard uh, out in the out in the wild. I almost well, wonder I if people sit- recognize it when you're sitting there because it would feel obvious in the theater. Like you almost sometimes there it's so appropriate you don't realize how special it is to hear it or how different it would be if you're sitting at home. Talking about the Netflix evolution, that they have to go back into the theaters. We all that kind of love that stuff. You know, often when we are discovering here in Hollywood Breaks, the things that are changing, the things that we lament that are going away, there's also new opportunity. There's new things evolving that if I was breaking into the industry today, I'd want to understand what's what the future might um, behold. So I'm not trying to chase building the old fanfare, I have, I'm looking for the new type of fanfares. Um, and it sounds like you're discovering that a little bit with the HBO uh, story of like, well, there is something new that's coming up that might be just as exciting and relevant today, even though we'll kind of miss the old stuff. People care. Like, that's the thing that I've noticed is is uh, while I do, I can't get a little grumpy about the industry not paying a whole lot of attention to sound. When these sounds are attached to a major brand, uh, they do care deeply about the that how they know how effective uh, these sounds are um, like Netflix and HBO and, and Fox and all these. They know how effective it is. So that's that. I'm just I, I don't know. But I think that like I'm seeing a bit of an explosion just in my line of work because I'm also a sound designer and I own a um, sound design company. Uh, and I am seeing a bit of an explosion in kind of like people who are in companies that want sonic brands and stuff. Sometimes it's not really appropriate. Sometimes it is. Uh but uh, but yeah, I think that I think that people are taking it really seriously now. So you're saying uh, that we're going to be that. seeing a, possibly see some kind of um, fanfare for 
for brands like i mean i, mean, I, I was gonna say apple but apple you can easily imagine they're gonna have a fanfare because they're kind of in the entertainment world but uh would coca-cola have one like that would tesla have not a fanfare? So much, not so much fanfare but if you do look into other industries um there are there are pretty amazing like one-to-ones here like for example we did an, another recent episode called i'm loving it about the mcdonald's do 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 I thought that was just like a thing that, I mean, I've, I've re- recognized that as something that I've heard for a long time, but I still thought it was just like a minor thing. Well, th- I mean, that thing started two decades ago as a marketing campaign, and it was it started with like Justin Timberlake putting out a secret unreleased or like leaking a track called I'm Loving It that had no mention of McDonald's, but had the da 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 It was like this guerrilla marketing yeah, he campaign. He gets paid every time that's played, by the way. But I, actually, I think- Oh my God. Does he really? I don't know if he does or not. I, I'm not exactly sure because he didn't write the da 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 da. That was written by by a music company, but the actual track uh, is not used. So the actual jingle is used in a million different ways. But but what you found is you'd have, you know, this whole track of music that just gets boiled down to its most, uh, you know, uh, you know, most impactful part, and then they've used that for two decades in a million different directions. Um, you know, these these companies know the power of these things. And most of the time what we see in Sonic branding is something like what we need like a three second thing that we attach to the end of a commercial or something, or maybe we implement it into the product. Um, but I'm seeing, I mean, God, I, I bought a new house two and a half years ago and it was the first time that every appliance that I have does a jingle. You know, <laughs> like, so true. It's so true. We're seeing it everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where they come from. I'm like, what is this? Why is the dryer making this noise? I nobody I could wants sing to the care. whole dryer jingle. Like it's a dun da 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 dun dun da 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 dun 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 da da dun dun da 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 da. That's my dryer jingle. It's so much better than, you know. True. Very true. But something annoying child toy, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there is, I mean, I think you are identifying something that as the evolution of brands evolve, some of them into the entertainment space, there's almost an evolution and need to to open up the doors for something like a fanfare or a jingle or a sonic brand. So that's kind of cool. But we also are recognizing, as we often do here, is that the experience, because it's changing, there are more victims than just like the poor director and the poor actors and poor writers that used to do this stuff. There is a whole industry that's shifting and making changes too. And some people that were very, very relevant and very impactful. The Newman family, you know, nine Oscars throughout their family or whatever. It's like this gigantic impact. Like the Newman family's relevance might be changing because nobody's sitting there like they used to and, and watching films like they used to. Maybe, but we also have this total flip side where we have stuff like, you know, WandaVision and the Mandalorian and like, ah, I mean, these things are incredible and still just taught, brought to with that same level of, of, you know, care. And, uh, I just think it's just the, I think that there was this big cliche. I, I don't know. Like when I was seeing it happen, it was like, there's this big moment of everyone talking about like, Oh, movies and television are kind of mixing. And I guess I was in a generation too, where I thought it was weird that like a movie actor wouldn't work, wouldn't, didn't want to do television because of something. And I think that I just missed the generation where that seemed to matter because now like I get, like it would make no sense for like some movie actor not to do something that's absolutely phenomenal, like Breaking Bad or Ozark or like, you know, one of these just incredible things. 
Um, and now we have, I think the other thing that's just amazing is like, now I've really like grown, not even grown up, but like, I'm like generation one on YouTube and I've seen this whole thing go. And a lot of times, like I, I, I make a lot of, um, uh, arguments for like how far behind a lot of the industry is when you have, um, YouTubers that have been doing this stuff beautifully for decades. It's kind of like when we had, I'll give the example of, when we did the switch, uh, when COVID happened, when we had, uh, you know, it kind of go from super high production to nothing all of a sudden, what we found is that YouTubers look incredible. Like they've been looking incredible for a decade, 15 years, like solo YouTubers making great documentaries, doing all this stuff. But the entire industry was like not ready for that. So suddenly we have superstars on Zoom calls and that going out on like, on major networks and I'm just like where has everyone been like like this is not complicated nowadays like I'm a sound designer and I have a black magic so-and-so camera with lighting with lenses with all this stuff it took me about four hours to set up I cannot imagine how we can't get Brad Pitt or somebody will go out there and put you know just at least get something set up safely and walk away Dallas you're totally like it, it the, the it's world just became weird flat of likes these these Uber celebrities look the same as Keith and I do on Zoom. Like, you're like, <laughs> yeah. you're, there's no, nothing special anymore. We don't have the makeup artists and talent. And like in your living room is weird. That's and the magic, you know. And I get that, you know, there's all these safety issues and stuff. But like I, I still feel like there's so many. I also feel like, um, you know, I'm just kind of turned off like for our podcast. We're also uh, reaching out and talking to celebrities occasionally and stuff. And it just puts a really bad taste in my mouth where like a celebrity can't like be on a microphone. I'm like... A microphone? Like, that's too much to ask? Like, a microphone? You were, you've you worked in this industry for 40 years? I'm just right. like, I'm like, it would take you two seconds to set up a microphone, and you can do 8,000 interviews, you know, while this is happening, and, it, and it's just so simple. But something about that mental block between, like, I don't do tech, whereas we see most people under... 30 who's creating content it's a mesh of both like they're the talent they're the tech they're everything and they just don't they don't think like that they just think oh i want to create something i'm gonna write it and i'm gonna do that oh yeah oh i gotta figure out the camera okay i'll figure out the camera i'll figure out the light like they figure it out you know and but there's this big divide between the generations on that that probably is the evolution that we're gonna see yeah i mean here's the thing all the kids if you ask young kids not all of them, but most of them want to be YouTubers now. I mean, I'm hearing way more kids say they want to be YouTubers over movie stars. Oh, absolutely. Wild. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. With my kids and their friends, they all know that they can go make a YouTube video right now. Like, they'll just yep. take my crap and go make something. I'm like, and that, it's a totally it's different kind of evolution of what's possible for <laughs> yeah. them than, than not. <laughs> Dallas, we could talk about this forever because I think that we're all kind of, in a way, in love with this stuff, total geeks about this stuff, have tons of stories to tell. Um, but I really do appreciate you joining us today. I love 20,000 Hertz. Tell us how to find your podcast. Yeah, so there's two main tracks here. So if you want to find the podcast, if you are listening to this in a, in a podcast form, you can do this while you're listening at this very second. Keep listening to my voice, but go search for 20,000 Hertz, which is all spelled out, T-W-E, etc. Hertz is H-E-R-T-Z, but you'll figure that out. Uh, there's this beautiful purple swirly icon with great art and stuff. Go over there, just tap subscribe, and then when this is over, it will be waiting for you 
to listen to. But I will suggest, uh, the other thing to say is every one of our shows are evergreen. You can listen to anything, anything that seems interesting. But I would also challenge you if you've listened to a couple, like listen to some that you don't think would be interesting because sometimes those are the best. But on the flip side, I also own a sound design company called DeFacto Sound, uh, defactosound.com. But we, uh, we also have a very silly YouTube channel where we just take like TikTok videos and random very weird videos, but then resound design them in kind of epic ways, which turn out to be hilarious. And uh, Instagram, uh, de facto sound. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun over there too. So those are all the places that uh, I would recommend checking out. And you don't need to know this from me, but I really am a fan of yours. You know that very well. We get to see each other often <laughs> in some of the other circles. I'm a fan of yours too. Thanks. <laughs> you have helped my company immensely with your wisdom. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's It's good to have you on our podcast. And uh, of course, Keith, um, thanks again. I, I thought you would love this. This is like a, my special gift to you. So you cool. can get the 20th Century <laughs> Fox theme back in your head. I know that you're missing it as you would. I, I know, like when you went to the cafeteria and you picked up that tray, it was playing that dun dun dun. Like you had to, like, it was always playing the cash <laughs> registers at the place. Yeah, I mourn the loss of Fox in general. Like, so now it's like 20th Century Studios, which will never be the same. And they're out of the, the film team that what's left of them is not even in build 88 anymore which was the zanuck building they're now over in nakatomi tower so the the film the film side of it is just it's it's gone so every time i hear it and it's not even the 20th century that's the thing like how long can we hang on to this i know oh yeah that's funny yeah well maybe it's appropriately named at this point the 20th century yeah well that's true that was that was addressed uh few years back, a little bit of inside info, um, the Murdochs were like, wait a minute, it's not the 20th century anymore. What are we going to call this? So that's why the parent company became 21st Century Fox. So it sort of had some sort of relevance beyond just 20th century because nobody really wanted to play with the fanfare or, and the logo. But now it's just 20th Century Studios. And, and Searchlight still plays it. Searchlight still has a version of the fanfare with a spotlight that comes right on you. Um, and it's actually, if you look at the surrounding, it's actually the lot itself. So um, there's still remnants of that are still alive, but you know, the original logo will always have a special place in my heart. So I really enjoyed this conversation. One last nugget before you go, I would recommend everyone go look at it because I found out after we posted the episode, this was not in the episode, but somebody who was very closely involved in the recording and all of these things told me there's a hidden music cue mark in the visuals um, and you will never unsee it. So after between the end of the original fanfare and the final, there's a like if you go look for it, um, I can't remember exactly the time code, but it's right before the final uh, bit of the fanfare that was extended for the widescreen. There is a music. There's a there's a flash uh, of one of those lights that was that they used as uh, as it, it's it's more like a filmmaker when they sit in the theater and they watch it and they go, okay, thank goodness the flash happened at the right time. But there's okay, a music sync point with the with the visuals. The clay lights. The bo- yeah, yeah. Bottom right corner. <laughs> And when oh, you see it, you will cool. see it every time. So uh, and then you can't unsee <laughs> it's it. It's a fun one. You cannot unsee it once you see it the first time. It's like the white dot that used to exist when they changed reels. And I ne- you never saw oh, it. Yeah. You find yeah. out it like you just can. I think it's on a beat four, right before the final, the final version of the, or the final bit of the fanfare. That's cool. 
All right. Thank you, my friends. It's good to see you guys. I appreciate you guys, you all being here on Hollywood Breaks. And uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to it, if you're on YouTube, we'd be happy to have your subscription here, too. More people like Dallas are coming up soon. Keith has a wide list of friends that we're going to be going through here and finding out this deep secret. So uh, we appreciate you being part of our audience, listening to what's there. And until next week, we will see you on Clubhouse. Have a good week. <laughs>